Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Tuesday edition of the program. We are inching closer to the start of the NCAA tournament and a big week ahead for both the IU men and women. Glad to have you with us. Just a couple things that have nothing to do with sports or basketball to start. First off, we've got the KHSAA Sweet 16 on Wednesday and Thursday. Jefferson Town uh, out of Louisville in the 6th region. They play an 11 a.m. game on Wednesday, then on Thursday, Mail from the 7th region, who won a thrilling championship game over Trinity, they play also at 11 a.m. So we will not have any local shows uh, on at least from 11 o'clock on on those days because of our coverage of the Kentucky Sweet 16. So if you're an Indiana person and you care about IU and the high school tournament in Indiana and you say, what in the world, it's the Kentucky State Tournament, Let's for a minute just remember, Kentucky does the tournament the right way. Uh, the regional tournaments are fun. I think it's crazy that the district tournaments, two people get to advance on to the regional, including the second-place team. But from my previous experiences some years back down at Rupp Arena, uh, the Sweet 16 in Kentucky high school basketball is a lot of fun. It's Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, it's a great environment. There's a hotel connected to Rupp Arena that a lot of the coaches, even if your team's been beat, it just, it's kind of like a coaching clinic or a chance just to network and, and be with coaches from across the state. So it's neat from that perspective. It's neat to see all the games. It's really a lot of fun. So you might frown on missing some IU coverage for a couple days, but don't fret. We'll be back with you a little bit later in the week, and we'll get you some good high school basketball on from down in Lexington on Wednesday and Thursday with some of our locals here from the 6th and 7th region over in Louisville. Also, keeping an eye on a chemical release or a chemical spill uh, in New Albany just moments ago or just minutes ago uh, at Bluegrass Chemical Specialties at 895 Industrial Boulevard. As I was out and about earlier, there was a little bit of an orange tint over a, a small portion of New Albany. I, I don't have a vantage point on it now, but I know there was some concern, and I know some of the local businesses ask employees to stay in place. So um, there haven't been any um, abnormal reports as far as the seriousness or, or danger of it, but someone said that they were preparing to shut down 265 a little bit ago. So uh, be vigilant of that. If you're out and about right now, could cause some traffic issues and 
who knows what else. But that definitely was a concerning headline when it rolled across my phone just before we came on the air today. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, a little bit of IU talk, some high school basketball discussion, and producer Justin Kalin is going to come on and give his thoughts on the uh, IU draw for the tournament, the seed, the draw, the pod, whatever you want to say as we look at Kent State, who the more I read, I guess the more maybe antsy that an IU fan would get because they do seem like a senior-laden, guard-laden team, and I think they're going to be a challenge for Indiana. But I've made up my mind on Indiana as I was thinking about filling out my bracket tonight, and I'll share my thoughts, and we'll see if Justin agrees coming up here in just a bit. Also, later today, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. He's always with us on Tuesdays as we take a look at the uh, latest with IU. We get ready for the NCAA tournament. So many different things to talk about with Mike as we just have a big, big week ahead of us from an IU and just a basketball perspective all the way around. So that's going to be fun uh, also. And I I do want to mention this while I'm thinking about it. We will be down at Washington on Saturday, the Hatchet House, where the Zeller brothers are from, to bring you the 1A semi-state. We will have Rock Creek in the morning, and we'll have their evening game if they win and move on to a semi-state championship game as well. Also, later in the show today, uh, more high school talk, a little bit of college basketball, and kind of going through the bracket looking at the Big Ten and the chances the conference, I think, has overall for the tournament this year. So stay with us for that. That's the show lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. That number is 502-414-1450. Hopefully you've got it programmed in your phone. 502-414-1450. It's a text line only. It's brought to you by Thornton's. And if you're looking for an icy, cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. And let's get into our show today so much to get to. Justin Kalin, producer of the show, going to join me here for a few moments. Justin, I'll, I'll be honest. I've made my mind up about this Indiana team. I think that Kent State is going to be a challenge. They are a quality mid-major ball club. They have had a fantastic season. Uh, they are not going to be uh, anybody's whipping boy, I don't think, in the NCAA tournament. But I think Indiana's going to handle them. It may not be at the margin that fans hope, but I think Indiana will get past that contest and move on to the second round. When I first saw the pod come out, and you always look ahead to that potential second-round matchup very quickly, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, Miami. I don't know about that. That could be the demise of Indiana. But the more I read, the more I text, the more I ask questions to those that know more than me, I feel my prediction, or I almost have to feel terribly confident, but my prediction at least for this Indiana team for now, for now, is a Sweet 16. I think they get through Albany, New York. I think they beat Penn State late Friday night. I think they come back, and I know some people have said don't count out Drake, uh, that they are very good, and I know that as well. But I, I think they beat ultimately Miami on Sunday to move on to the Sweet 16. Do you like the draw? Do you like the seed? Do you agree with my thoughts? How you're you're a diehard IU fan. How concerned are you with Kent State and a possible matchup with 
a Miami or even a Drake. Yeah, first of all, I absolutely love the draw. Kent State, I'm so tired of hearing about Kent State already this week. They, they do not scare me, not even in the slightest. They play in the MAC, which was not a great conference this year. I mean, you had a lot of low, low teams in the MAC. Kent State, I mean, they, their schedule was easy. So I, I, Indiana came out as four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they cover that with ease. Now, the second round is where it gets interesting for me. So I was telling you off-air, Miami doesn't really scare me. I think they could get beat by Drake. And to me, as weird as it sounds, Drake is the more worrisome matchup than Miami, in my opinion. But I, I'm with you, ultimately. I think the, the floor is Sweet 16 for this team. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Sweet 16, I'd be really surprised. Unless there's, you know, barring some major letdown or whatever, I do feel confident Indiana has an outstanding chance to get to the Sweet 16. My next question for you is this. Are Indiana fans happy with the Sweet 16, or are they only happy if Indiana can advance past that round? What makes this a successful tournament run we'll call it for IU you know that's a great question Matt I mean one we've been mulling over for years now ever since the early 2000s when Indiana last had success I, I think I mean I don't know if you would use the word happy in terms of getting to the sweet 16 but it's a lot further than they've gotten in the past what I don't know 21 tournaments so I think at the end of the day, you have to be happy with a Sweet 16, but then you think about the aspects of the players on the team, the the Jalen hood Shafinos who's likely gone, the Trace jackson Davises who you'd like to have more success. So I think it, it you have to be unselfish to a certain standpoint, and you have to step back and think, well, are the players going to be happy with the Sweet 16? And I think that would be a resounding no. But me as an Indiana fan, yeah, absolutely. We get to the Sweet 16, that's – further than they've gotten in a long time. So I, I'd be pretty happy with that. I get the feeling that a lot of fans, and I know players are always going to be unhappy if, with a finish that probably doesn't include a Final Four or a national championship, at least in the moments of and the moments after. I know it all sinks in at some point. You realize what you were able to accomplish and, and do for your school, for your fan base. But I do get the feeling, just talking to Indiana fans that I bump into at games or in public or whatever, since the, even since the draw has come out on Sunday night, I do get the feeling that Indiana fans, at least there's a, a percentage of them, a, a, I don't want to say a majority, but they think this is the year with Trace Jackson Davis, who is not coming back. Race Thompson provides senior leadership, a big guy. He's not coming back. Jalen Hood-Chafino likely not back because of his NBA prospectus. They think this is the year Indiana needs to make a serious run because a run this year helps you fill in the gaps for those guys because I think Indiana's already on a positive path with Mike Woodson as far as success and recruiting and transfer portal. But success in the tournament only underscores that and boosts that and helps that. So I do feel that a lot of Indiana fans might disagree with you and I saying a Sweet 16 would be great. Yes, we would be happy with that and want more. And that maybe that's the case with every fan base, but I do really sense that with some Indiana fans. Well, here's what it comes down to for me, Matt, is for the first time in, what, five or six years, as Indiana fans, we have hope. And that is something that we haven't had a whole lot of in the last two decades plus. I mean, it's you have a chance. You, you, you have a decent seed. You have a good draw. You don't have anybody all that scary in your side of the bracket. It's just everything sets up really well. But, look, at the end of the day, this is a really hard tournament to win. I mean, there's, there's a lot of teams that have never won this tournament, and there's a lot of teams that have won it multiple times. But it's not an easy thing to do. So 
at, at the end of the day, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to watch the games. I'm going to enjoy them. If we get a Sweet 16 run, great. Anything beyond that to me is a is a bonus, and I'm extremely happy about that because I'm just not ready for basketball to be over. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Absolutely, and it's fun to see the tournament continue with or without Indiana. Sure. But let's be honest, and from my perspective, you know Indiana. Louisville, Kentucky, Purdue. I like to see all the local teams in it. Love to see the Big Ten be well represented, which that's basically the case this year. Obviously, from a local perspective, really missing Louisville. They were never even in the discussion at any point of being an NCAA team. But this is a fun month, and it's just more fun when Indiana and the locals are doing well. And I know that some listeners despise the other local teams or especially despise Purdue or whoever your arch nemesis is. But I just think basketball in this area at all levels is better when the college programs are leading the way in March Madness on a big scene. So uh, that's my take on March. Love to see Indiana make a deep run. Uh, There's people, Justin, there's people, not a lot, but there's people picking Indiana to go to the Final Four. A couple of the bracketology guys, a couple, maybe one of the ESPN guys, I can't recall who it is. But so I ask you this. I told you my prediction. I'm for now saying a sweet 16 and no further. Uh, what is your prediction ultimately on where this Indiana team goes and who, who could knock them out in what round? Yeah, I think at the end of the day I'm with you. I mean, they, they would match up against Houston in the Sweet 16 if Houston's able to get there, which it depends on the status of Sasser, their best player, whether he's healthy and good to go or not. If he's not good to go, then Indiana has a really good shot in that game. But right now I'm, I'm going to stick with the safe play, and I'm going to go Sweet 16 as well. Although, however, how fun would it be if, since Indiana pooped their pants in the Big Ten tournament and didn't get the championship with Purdue, how about both of them just run the table, meet up for the national championship? That'd be a lot of fun. Be fine with me. We didn't get it in the Big Ten (laughs) championship for a third time. Maybe the third time will come at a, what would that be, like an ultimate dream game? That would be amazing. In the national championship. So. (laughs) And then I've got one other question. Sorry to hit you with some tough ones and put you on the spot here this morning. I'm ready. You know, social media really stinks. You know, it's just, it's good to share information. It's good to promote things. Um, You know, I I get its purpose, but man, I'm down on social media, Facebook, uh, all of it. I just think it's part of our problem in, in the world today, but nobody tunes into this show to hear what I think about the world and society. So, uh, anytime you see anything, or sometimes I get screenshots from people of silly IU fans, and there's fans in every fan base that do this. But, I mean, Indiana, no matter how many games in a row they had won at one point in January, and no matter how good they were playing, uh, there are still instant criticisms. It's not mm-hmm. after the game or the next morning at the at the water cooler, at your break room at work to criticize the the coaching staff or Coach Woodson, but instantaneously uh, fans complain about every sub or lack thereof or every player or every mistake or everything that anybody does, from player to coach to whoever, even announcers to what they say on TV or don't say. So with that said, it's hard to really get a gauge because there's so much silliness out there from people who absolutely overreact about IU basketball on social media, no matter what the topic is or how serious it is. But I'm curious, you know, what what is for, for you? And I, I trust your judgment, your opinion. You're a reasonable guy. You're a basketball lifer that's loved this stuff and been around it forever. At what point do you say Mike Woodson is the guy, not just for the next couple of years, but 
He's the guy that's going to right this ship, that's going to get Indiana heading into the right direction, maybe on a, on a somewhat, somewhat permanent basis again. Um, he's done some things very early on with recruiting and with the transfer portal, but also with just winning games and Indiana's success and getting to the NCAA tournament that makes you feel pretty good about him. But there's still people that have their hesitations, and I'm sure that's the case with every coach in the NCAA. But what's your take, and is Mike Woodson going to be the guy for some reasonable amount of time in Indiana? For what it's worth, I say Mike Woodson's a guy now. I've been saying it for months. I love Coach Woody. I love the way he react or he responds to the players. I love the way his coaching staff gets involved, and, and the, the players really respect those guys as well. Uh, I, I think Woody's the guy now, and, I, and you got to take the social media stuff with a grain of salt. I mean, that's why, that's the reason that everything's so toxic now within college basketball, because everybody wants to be couch coaches, is what we call them, and and you're just you're not the coach. Just everyone forgets that this stuff is supposed to be fun. Sit back, enjoy it, criticize if you want, but I just I don't see a need to do that online. It just seems like a lot of attention seeking to me. Yeah, no question, no question. All right, Justin Kalen, he produces this show and does a ton around the Big X, and he's a big IU guy. Justin, thanks. Always great to catch Thank you. Up. We'll head to a break. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Coming up next, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier will hop on for his weekly segment. We'll take a look at Kent State and uh, kind of break it down a little bit and talk generally about the Big Ten and the NCAA and whatever else you want to talk about. Send questions and comments to me at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. All right, uh, we're headed to a break. Back with more after this here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Tuesday program. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier with us in this segment. And then coming up later in the show, you've got some high school coaching news. Greg Walters is out after one season at Floyd Central. We'll talk about that. And also yesterday was the opening day of high school baseball. And there are a number of programs in our area, once again, that are expected to have really good seasons. So we'll catch up on that all later in the show today. But, Mike, welcome in. It's NCAA Tournament Week. It's a glorious time. We are inching closer to the start of the tourney in the first four games. And then, of course, Friday night after really two full days, Thursday and Friday of first-round games, we'll get a chance to see this Indiana team in action at 9.55 p.m. Hope that's not past your bedtime, Mike. Isn't that a crazy time to, to start a basketball game on, on the East Coast? But, but yeah, absolutely. It's uh, fortunately for me, I'm a night owl, so that that kind of goes right into my wheelhouse. I'm, I'm not too worried about that at all. But um, probably indicates, you know, that Indiana still has some television appeal 
Uh, I don't know if 955 is still prime time or if it's out of the prime time window, but it's certainly not, you know, a noon game or anything like that. So I am excited to, to get out to Albany, New York, where I've never been before and, and see what's going to happen this weekend. Absolutely. And Mike, I didn't have this in my notes, but talking about the late start, the 955 tip on Friday, I'll bring it up. Do you think it really makes a big difference? You know, college students, especially college basketball players and athletes in general, they have such crazy lifestyles. They practice, they attend class, they have study sessions, they're traveling, they're missing school, they're traveling back sometime overnight, uh, just all sorts of things they have to deal with. Is a late night tip for 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, is that a big deal? I don't think so, at least not in this case. I mean, where it gets a little wonky in my mind is a situation like last year when Indiana had a sim- not I don't think it was quite that late, but it was a late tip in Dayton and then had to get on a plane and fly out to Portland uh, and, and get into Portland at some crazy hour in the middle of the night. That situation was obviously just a complete mess. But here, you know, it's the first game. You got both teams, you know, they're both, you know, Eastern time zone teams kind of under similar circumstances. Um, the only time I would think it would might be a little bit unique or weird for either team is if they were like a you know an early morning practice team or something like that where they really were just kind of getting completely off their schedule. But I know Indiana practices in the afternoon. I don't know about Kent State, obviously, but so I don't think any of it's a big deal. I mean, they Indiana has had plenty of nine o'clock tips. Um, this is just a little bit later. I, I don't think ultimately it's going to make too much of a difference. All right, talking with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier, IU the topic. Mike, uh, Kent State, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about them the last few days, and like always, when these pairings come out, it's not a Big Ten team, it's not another high major team where you know who the coach is, and you've probably seen them play in primetime television slots this season. So you go to Google, you go to their athletic website, you look at the roster, you look at the schedule, you try to draw any connections you can, and you start asking people that may have had a reason to see them or play them or know more about a team like Kent State than you or I would. So what's your research tell you about this Kent State ball club and set up the matchup for Indiana there on Friday night? Well, the first thing I always look at when it comes to a a mid-major is how did they do when they played high majors? Um, Because, you you know, obviously, if they're in in the NCAA tournament, they did well against, against their fellow mid-major compatriots so it's more about you know how how do they stack up against uh real competition and for kent state that that's where it really gets impressive and i'd say a little frightening if you're an indiana fan because if you look at you know their their main two games that they played against you know houston's technically not a high major but they are you know they've been number one in the country uh, throughout much of the season and obviously number one seed in this tournament. So I considered them a de facto high major. And then Gonzaga was the other team that, that Kent State played, both on the road, by the way. So two road games. And if you look at the details of those two games, Kent State was right there within a possession with, with two minutes to go in both of those games, on the road at Houston, on the road at Gonzaga. So it, it really doesn't get any more impressive. I don't think you need to know much more about what Indiana is up against than, than to look at those two results. And then they also went on the road, played a true road game at College of Charleston, who's a very formidable NCAA team this year as well, a 30-win team, and they 
had a shot at the buzzer to beat them in another true road game. So those are three of Kent State's six losses on the season, the other three in conference. Um, but to me, that, that tells a story. Uh, they, they are a very tough-minded team, not intimidated to go on the road, a veteran team with veteran guards. Um, if you listen to their head coach, Rob Sinderoff, this week, he, he is very confident that his team will not be in any way phased by, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament, playing a team program like Indiana. So I think Indiana is up against a, a major challenge, and the odds makers seem to agree with that. The lines I'm seeing are, you know, four and five points. So nobody is going into this game expecting a blowout. Yeah, absolutely. Talking with Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier. You know, Kent State does have a connection to Indiana. Rob Senderoff, the head coach, was at Indiana as an assistant to Coach Sampson some years ago. And uh, any any uh, remembrance of him? Were you covering the team then? I, I briefly met him, don't know much about him, but uh, he did spend some time at Indiana. And I want to say, uh, was he let go maybe uh, before Coach Sampson was let go from Indiana? Is that the case? Yeah, I don't remember the exact timing of when he was let go as it relates to Sampson, but he was definitely on the staff. Uh, the entire Sampson tenure was hired in, in May of 2006. Uh, he was the last assistant that, that Sampson hired, and it was really Cinderoff's first big break as a college coach. He was on staff at, at Kent State before Indiana, and uh, Sampson was, was friends with the Kent State head coach at the time, Jim Christian, and, you know, Cinderoff came to him highly recommended. Um, so, it, you know, his first big break in the business at, a, at the high major level, he was with Samson the entire time, was really at the center of, of the uh, NCA violations that happened. He also got, in addition to Samson getting personally uh, sanctioned, Cinderoff got a three-year show cause uh, violation uh, from the NCA at the time. And, and interestingly enough, Kent State was the, school that hired him right back a couple months later is kind of his safety net because you know a lot of times these coaches get these show cause penalties and they never really recover from them but Kent State you know was a place where he had coached for five years before Indiana and they knew him and liked him and trusted him and so they gave him a chance and took the the uh, restrictions that came along with it and you know he ended up being Kent State's all-time winning as head coach as a result. So it's a, it's a really fascinating story as, in terms of the way that everything played out. Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, my guest, talking IU basketball in the NCAA tournament. I mentioned the, teasing your segment today that we talked some about the Big Ten Conference as a whole. Now that the bracket is released and now that we know who's in and who's out, I guess my first question related to the conference would be Rutgers. Did, did they get a really raw deal? What's your take on the Scarlet Knights being left out of the big dance. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the the resume, I, I'd say that they probably did. Uh, I understand the logic that you know. I think as former IU guard Chris Reynolds explained it, they 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 were concerned about the way that Rutgers played after they lost Mawat Mag, who was a starter. Um, I think they went three and seven after he was lost for the season. But ironically, the first first game that he missed was at Indiana um, and you could tell they were a much different team that day at Indiana than when when Indiana had faced them a month or two earlier and so I, 
I understand the logic. Um, it's it's always that kind of dynamic. You know, how do you treat an injury? Do you penalize a team who who had a really good season and then kind of hit the skids after they lost the key player? And should they be left out of the tournament? It, it's a tough situation, but but I do understand it. Um, uh, but but you know, there, there's always those teams right there on the edge, and, and if they were kind of right in that that first four or last four situation, I can understand keeping them out if you don't feel like they're playing like an NCAA team in March. And then uh, further on the Big Ten, is this a year that the Big Ten can have some success in the tournament and maybe not just have some success but a Final Four team or two? And could there be a national champion from the conference? I think a lot of Indiana fans will cringe as you give your answer and possibly mention Purdue. But I do think it's a possibility. But I'm curious, you know, the Big Ten has taken some beatings in the NCAA tournament. And the media is quick to jump on conferences, including the Big Ten, when it collectively lays an egg. So is this a year that the Big Ten can maybe get past that? And could there be some deep tournament runs from teams like maybe Indiana or Purdue or others? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll cringe myself as I say it, but Purdue's the, the obvious team that, that you look at and you think with a player like Zach Eady, who's just night in and night out, going to be a major problem for whoever they face, and their path doesn't look all that hard, although, you know, every team presents a you know, a formidable path that they don't put easy teams in the NCAA tournament. Nobody thought St. Peter's would be that team last year. So you just never know. Um, but, you know, Purdue's clearly far and away that in, in my mind, anyway, the, the, the big 10 team that has the best shot to go to the final four. Um, but they also have a long, uh, and, and glorious history of you know, coming up short against expectations in March. So it certainly won't be a surprise if they do come up short, you know, Indiana's path is interesting. We talked about Kent State. Um, that if they get past that one, then you're talking about, you know, a Miami team that has some injury issues, Houston that may have some injury issues with Marcus Sasser. It's not clear exactly where that stands, but it's not an impossible path as you look at it. They just haven't shown that they're able to string together, you know, three, four wins in a row against good competition here at play to make you think that they can really get that done. Um, you know, I, I think I said on your show last week that I thought Michigan State could make a run in the Big Ten tournament. They obviously make, made me look silly. Um, so, that you know, they'd be another team that has a history in March but can't seem to quite get it together this year. So, I don't know. Beyond Purdue, it's hard to see it. Um, but with eight teams in there and March Madness being what it is, you just never know. Yeah, Mike Schumann, the Daily Hoosier, with us. You can read his work at the Daily Hoosier com and Mike is a great follow on social media at daily underscore Hoosier on Twitter. Mike, let's look ahead. Uh, Miami and Drake, that could be the potential second-round matchup, one of those teams for Indiana. And I know that uh, IU fans don't want to jinx anything here, but uh, I know that you've already looked ahead to what that pod looks like and what a Sunday matchup, if Indiana can survive Kent State and the challenge they pose, would look like for the Hoosiers. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, you listen to the pundits on national TV, and Drake and Kent State are, are two of the teams that, that they really like as upset special. So it's hard to look at that Drake and Miami game and, and feel real comfortable about how that's going to play out. Ken Palm actually predicts that, that 
that'll be a two-point game. So another one kind of right there that, that could go either way. Uh, I think Drake's one of the hottest teams in the country. They, they've won something like 10, 11 games in a row. Um, so, you know, offensive uh, firepower for, for sure from Drake. Um, uh, Miami <laughs> has some Indiana connections. People remember back to last year with the, the whole uh, Nigel Pack situation as, as a recruiting process uh, prospect. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Purdue, um, but it ended up, you know, I think cashing in from an IL perspective, and he's had a good season there. They've got a really good roster. Again, some potential injury issues to deal with. Um, so I, I, I look at that, that second potential second-round game and I, I look at it a lot like Kent State. You know, I think there's two teams sitting out there that Indiana could clearly beat. I, I don't think that either one of them are, you know, games that you look at and think, wow, IU's just going to have no chance in this. Uh, Miami's a really good offensive team that hasn't been real good on defense, hasn't been playing super, you know, consistently here of late, lost a, you know, a really head-scratching game against Florida State in, in late February. February, so, um, but, but Jim Laranega, head coach, has a pretty good tournament history, so, um, you know, tough matchup potentially, but nothing that, that I'd say you look at and say Indiana can't get to the Sweet 16, um, and then I think, you know, the, the, the matchup that will just become a circus if we get it, obviously, is the uh, Houston-Indiana potential matchup in, in, in the Week 16 round, obviously, with all the storylines that would go along with that one. Absolutely. And final question for you today, Mike. How bad does this Indiana team miss Xavier Johnson? Um, obviously, defense stands out first, but all the way around, I think he's missed by this team. Um, how bad is his presence going to be missed this month in the NCAA tournament? Well, I mean, I, I think that starts immediately with Friday night. I mean, Kent State is a team that, that's really, you know, its focus, is, its strength is, is its veteran guards and, you know, their ability to get to the rim and just kind of disrupt the defense. And Indiana this year, in my opinion, was a team built around defense first with Xavier Johnson kind of being the head of the snake, as they like to, to refer to it. And, you know, I, I think that's been kind of a glaring absence. You think about, you know, the games against Northwestern and, and Boo Booey. You think about the games uh, against Iowa and Tony Perkins. They, they really struggled to, to stay in front of, you know, really quick guards. Um, and I think, you know, guards are kind of the story in March often. And I think that is going to, you know, just make the challenge all, all that greater. Not, not only that, but, I mean, I think just from a depth standpoint, it, it's been nice to see Tamar Bates have a few nice games in a row here. But when he's not playing well, Indiana really only has two guards that they're relying on in the rotation, and, and that's really hard to sustain in a tournament setting. To you know, when you're playing games not not back to back next week, but obviously back to back in the Big Ten and in short rest still this coming week. Um, it's hard to just have two guards. So Xavier Johnson was clearly someone that IU anticipated leveraging heavily this year, and he just hasn't been there. And it it, it probably above anything else, it's what makes me doubt that they can make a, a long run 
uh, here beyond this weekend. Absolutely. Mike Schumann, Daily Hoosier, good stuff. Mike's website, always a must-read, but especially this time of year. Uh, Look forward to your coverage from Albany. Mike, thank you. Thank you, Matt. All right, we'll head to a commercial break, come back with our final segment. A little more on the NCAA tournament, and we'll look at uh, some high school coaching news as well. Specifically, the Floyd Central job is now open after a real quick one-year stint by Greg Walter. So stay with us for that. You're listening to a Tuesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here. Final segment on this Tuesday program. Got a couple first four games tonight. 640, Southeast Missouri State. That's where Steve Alford once was against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Those are two 16 seeds looking to get a spot in the full NCAA tournament field. And then probably the game that I think we're all more interested in just because it's two high major teams, Pitt and Mississippi State. Uh, a 9-10 tip-off. I think that'll be the one maybe I have a chance to watch some of, if not all of, tonight. That's how the first four begins. Then it continues on Wednesday, uh, Fairly Dickinson versus Texas Southern and Nevada with uh, Steve Alford and uh, also a Jeff product there as well will take on Arizona State. Uh, so that will be some good TV to watch on Wednesday night as well. And then, man, just looking at the schedule, it's hard not to smile. Thursday afternoon, March 16th, 12-15, the first tip-off of the day, 8 and 9, 8 West Virginia, 9, excuse me, 8 Maryland, 9 West Virginia gets things started uh, from a Big Ten perspective and really to get the whole thing underway on Thursday. So that will be a lot of fun as well. A couple high school notes. I mentioned quickly uh, in the show earlier that Greg Walters is out as the head coach of Floyd Central. There really has been no official announcement or anything from the school, but the job was posted on the IBCA. That's the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association website last Friday. And I know that a few people have told me the emails were sent out as far as to the coaching list just with details about the job and telling other coaches across the state that the job is open. But, you know, really tough job for Greg Walters to come into. Number one, Todd Sturgeon did an amazing job and really got Floyd Central basketball back to a meaningful, consistent level. And they had some outstanding teams And you think about the team that won sectional in COVID and then did not get a chance to move on to the regional. That was a team that could have went deep into the tournament, I believe. And then so many of the other good teams Floyd Central had with great players, uh, they could have made deep runs into the tournament, but they ran into New Albany and Romeo Langford. It wasn't just a good New Albany team. It was a team led by Romeo Langford, who's in the NBA now. So, But Floyd, man, what a run they had under Todd Sturgeon. So that's number one, tough for Walters to fill in there. Uh, also, a lot of key losses coming in. 
uh, in Walter's first year, and then they're going to lose a lot more. This Floyd team will graduate six seniors this year. Caleb Washington, obviously the biggest of names. Tevi Ali had a solid year for the Highlanders. Then you've got others as well on the team that uh, got some playing time. Bryce Schmidt started some games. Caden Stewart, I know, played very athletic. Uh, Jackson Striander came in uh, and seemed to get more playing time, played more of a role later in the season. But uh, the job is open. So you've got New Albany and Floyd Central, two jobs from the same school system open in the same offseason. And last year, Floyd and Jeff were both open. So crazy to see the Floyd situation open back up after just one year. I thought last year, with Floyd's success and the size of the school and how good the school is athletically really across the board in so many sports on a very consistent level, I, I thought they would get big applicants from across the state and across the region that Floyd Central has a very, very bright future in basketball. I don't know how much talent is coming or where they're at right now, but I tell you, you get two good jobs open, especially that New Albany job with so much tradition across the state and it will be really interesting to see how that goes. So I've had a couple people ask, do you know anything about the New Albany job? Not really. I've heard a number of names. I know some people are coming into town to meet with the athletic director and potentially others, but it's kind of tight-lipped. It'll be interesting to see how it goes and who ultimately uh, is the candidate of choice there, but obviously big shoes to fill with the retirement of Jim Shannon. Another question I get a lot, and I try not to get into high school stuff too much, but uh, as far as, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Jim Shannon, do you think he'll coach again? I asked him that question on this show, and I know others, uh, fans and media, have asked him that question as well. My gut feeling right now is, yes, I don't know that it'll be next year. I think it could be a year or two from now. I think Coach Shannon still has the coaching bug. He has to work through that himself and see uh, what his future looks like and what he's going to do and what he's interested in and what opportunities open up. But I could see it going both ways, but my gut feeling is he'll coach again. And then another text on the Thornton's text line, if I can find it here, texter says, Matt, you hinted last week when Chris Brown was on your show, of course Chris Brown is the Rock Creek head coach, that you would discuss the new Washington boys coaching change. And now with Walters being let go from Floyd Central, I'm hoping to hear about it and potential new hires today when I catch the podcast as I can't listen live. Great show. Texter, thank you for the message on the Thornton's text line. Uh, With that said, um, I don't know much about the new Washington opening or what happened, but I do know this. Tori Winchester, who was elevated from assistant coach to head coach, and I talked about this some during our broadcast of Rock Creek in New Washington from down at Lagodi on Saturday. He was an applicant. I, I know his family, know his dad, know obviously Anthony Winchester, who, by the way, is on the staff at Kansas State, and they're headed to the NCAA tournament with a good seat as well and a good opportunity ahead of them. Tori was an applicant for the New Washington job. He didn't get it. And then midseason, there's a coaching change, a resignation. And Tory Winchester, I'm told, was not just bumped up to be the head coach of interim, but also on a permanent basis. And so how about in your first year, really your first half season as the full-time head coach that's calling all the shots to lead a team to a sectional championship and get an opportunity to play in a regional. So hats off to Tory Winchester for that. A good young coach from a great basketball family, and it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do at New Washington. Uh, but that's about what I know and about what I'm willing to talk about. So there you go. That's some coaching high school banner for you. And now's the time for 
ADs and principals to fill these jobs because before you know it, it's off-season workout time and summer league time. And uh, June has become a very important month to get ready for the upcoming high school basketball season. And so you want to get these people in place and give them time to put their coaching staff in place, obviously, well in advance of the month of June because you'd like to have some workouts and do individual instruction and get your schedule set for June. And, of course, then get into full practices and even some games, some scrimmage games uh, in the month of June. That's going to wrap things up for this Tuesday edition of the show. First four in the NCAA tournament begins tonight. Southeast Missouri State, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, the first game, then Pitt and Mississippi State at 9-10 tip-off in that game. Both of those games on True TV, if you were wondering. Have a great Tuesday. Remember, no show Wednesday or Thursday due to our coverage of J-Town and Mail down in Lexington. We wish both of those guys, Coach Duncan and Coach Hayworth, the very best. Those are great guys, great friends. Hope they do well. And I will be back with you later this week here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>